Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. In this episode, I speak with Inner Circle member Sajna, and it was a wonderful conversation. She's incredibly kind and very well-spoken. And the majority of the conversation was based around mental health, which I loved. A lot of the conversation being around how Sajna is improving her mental health, both through strength training and nutrition, as well as personal development, especially during right now and the coronavirus and being quarantined at home. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and also if you're looking for more home bodyweight workouts or even dumbbell, kettlebell band workouts, there are hundreds in the inner circle. You can join at www.sfinnercircle.com. Let's get into the episode. Good to see you. <laughs> How are you doing? How's your mom? She's doing well, thank you. She's uh, she's in good spirits. She's she's always a pretty optimistic woman. She's also very very stubborn, uh, but uh, she's doing well. Uh, mainly, I just wanted to be near her in case she needs anything. So, thank you for asking. How are you doing? How's your family? Good. Um, yeah, my uh, my family lives in Dubai. Okay. Just very far. I was just. Uh, I don't think they're that strict over there yet. Yeah, I mean, everything is closed, but my dad still manages to go to work sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> and he's very compromised. Like, you know, he has a lot of issues, health issues. I'm like, why are you going to work? Stop doing that. It makes me nervous because, you know, if something happens, I can't travel. Exactly. It's so scary. It's crazy. It, was that where you grew up? Yes. I, I was born in India and I grew up in Dubai. Wow. Um, do you and and where are you based yeah. now? Uh, Chicago. Chicago, that's amazing. I love Chicago. Of <laughs> <laughs> all the places I ended up here, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you like Chicago? Do you want to go somewhere else? Uh, no, I think for now it's good. Um, I live with my husband and son, and um, I think yeah, it's home now. And how how old's your son? He's five. Okay. All right. And so he's, and he's not at school, right? He's just staying home right now. No. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, he has autism. So uh, he still gets few therapies. Okay. Um, so his, uh, he gets this um, treatment called ABA. Um, and it's one of those things that, you know, he, they have to have it. Otherwise, you know, they'll go through a regression and stuff like that. So, um, so they do, uh, they send like one of the therapists comes home and, you know, works, but it's, it's not as consistent as, you know, how it used to be before. So it's a lot of issues, but yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. And, and how'd you meet your husband? Oh, <laughs> I met him online. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I love that. On like a dating site? <laughs> sort of, something like that. I was just like 11 years ago, almost a decade ago. Oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's how I ended up moving here because I was in Dubai and he lived here. And um, yeah, and it was funny because I told people I work with, I'm moving to Chicago because, you know, I fell in love with this guy, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you're moving to Chicago? Isn't that very cold? I'm like, oh, really? Is it? I didn't even know. The only thing I knew about Chicago was Oprah lived here. This is when she had her show. I didn't even know about their windows. Oh my God, that's so funny. Wait, so did you decide to move to Chicago before you'd ever actually met him in person? Oh no, oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
So did he come oh, visit no. you? He came to visit yeah, you? Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, but like it was like six months uh, of, you know, dating and uh, meeting each other and then, you know, uh, online and stuff like that. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. It's a great story. That's really nice. <laughs> so, so listen, I, I know like you're busy and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I am very excited to chat with you and I sort of just want to, anything you want to discuss, anything, if you have any questions um, so, for me, anything. Yeah. So I was just thinking about like, you know, okay, if, if I wanted to discuss about any topic, what would it be? And uh, I'm, I've been very passionate about mental health. Okay. Um, then I started, so I started writing stuff about like how my mental health journey began, right? And I was like, well, four pages. And then um, I was like, okay, let me narrow it down to one of the themes, you know? So, so I came up with this. I, I, wow, I, I love that. I don't, I don't draw, I don't draw really well, but you know, it was just five things that I came up with. Um, so first one was therapy because that's how my journey began. Um, and then it was movement, um, lifting for me and then food and then breath work and then self love. So I think so we can discuss any of those things that you want. That's amazing. I, I know I saw in, in the email that you wrote that, um, that you love deadlifting and that you, I like, do. <laughs> <sighs> And deadlifting, like it's sort of like what your heart's been drawn to, and and so tell me more about that. How did you get into deadlifting? Maybe what maybe what did you do before that, and then how did you find deadlifting? Um, so um, I the first thing I did when uh, for myself because I was a new mom. Um, as you know, when you are a new mom, there is nothing you can do. It's just like. I was a stay, I'm a stay at home mom. So I'm just so involved. Like, it's like, I don't know where my son ends and I begin. It was like very, you know, he was a very needy kid. And uh, uh, so the first thing I did for myself was just, you know what, I'm just going to sign up at a gym. And uh, that's how it started. And then I, uh, there was this, I used to do some dumbbell lifting when I, in my twenties. And uh, there was this, uh, trainer at the, uh, at the gym, he said, oh, you know, you should uh, get into weightlifting and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And he gave me a few tips. And then I started going on YouTube and I started uh, finding barbell workouts. I think bodybuilding.com is one of the websites that I used yeah. a lot at that. And, and I kept looking at these women, like badass women were doing their squats and stuff. And I was like, I was so impressed. And I was like, I want to do that. And, uh, so uh, I asked the trainer who I met the first time, uh, his name was Anthony, and I asked him, uh, can you show me some deadlifts? Can you check my form? And then uh, he's the first one who showed me how to do a deadlift. And then um, and then I saw this woman in the gym doing a de like some more deadlift, and she, was, she looked so cool. And I asked her, do you have a trainer? Because face-to-face trainers are so expensive. Yeah. And then... That, yeah I have an online trainer and they're like online training that was I didn't even know they existed <laughs> um, that was my first introduction to online training and uh, um, I used her trainer for a bit and then I went to someone else and then you're my third Facebook online community trainer and um, so yeah the, I, the inner circle was is your third one yeah third, third. one 
um, so the first one, she ta taught me how to, like, you know, she would check my form and things like that when I did my deadlift. And I think I was, I was telling her I could pick up like 115 pounds or something. It's like, if you can do 150, I'm sure you can do 135. So try it. And it's like, because 135 looks so, you know, like badass. I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, and I did it and it was, it got picked up so easily. I was like, oh, I can do this. And uh, yeah, and it just makes me feel so strong. I love deadlifts. I miss it. And and what's your favorite kind of deadlift? Oh, um, I think since I joined, I see I've been doing the Samoan. one. Yeah, I'm not yeah. very used to that one because I do I did I learned it the conventional one the yep. first time. Uh, so I don't think I can lift heavy with the sumo one yet. Got it. Okay. All right. Is, is, and, there a, is there a reason why you like the sumo uh, deadlift? So is it um, same? Or yeah. So, yeah, it's actually, it's a great question. So generally speaking, I prefer sumo, especially when you're learning the deadlift. Uh, ah. Did you ever have any back pain from deadlifting when you first started at all? Like, no. Okay. So no. A lot of people struggle with back pain when they start deadlifting and still uh, learning the movement. And because your stance is wider, mm. it allows you to move a little bit easier through your hips and place less stress on your lower back. So it mm -hmm. teaches you the movement a little bit more safely. And, mm. and that's why I like to start with the sumo and then progress to conventional. Um, they're both great. I love both okay. of them. And I think they're, they're okay. tremendous. But uh, that's why from a teaching perspective, I like to start with the no, sumo. I can. Now, let yeah, me I mean, yeah, your explanations are so good on the videos, Jay. I mean, I'm so, so I've been, I realized after joining, I see, I realized I've been doing chin-ups wrong. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening with your chin-ups? No, I thought I'm supposed to bring my chin up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and did you watch one of the, the chin-up manual? You saw the... I saw all the videos. I saw all the videos and I've been like, now it's heavier, like it's harder. So I, I went back to my purple bands. I had to go back to the purple bands and start from the basics, um, uh, which is fine. I don't mind. I, I want to learn it the right way. But then, uh, you know, like, you know, oh, I was like under the impression that, oh, I can do one or two chin-ups without any bands or any assistance. And I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> It's, it's very, very difficult. And I've always thought the name chin up was so misleading mm -hmm. because you imagine you should bring your chin to the bar. Then you see so many videos of people on the internet reaching and reaching, doing this like forward neck posture, reaching for their chin. And they're not actually working the right muscles. They're not actually working their back. So I like the cue of bringing your chest to the bar a lot better mm -hmm. because then you actually use your back and it makes it way more difficult. But what I, what I love about what you just said is that it, you weren't discouraged by going back to the band. It didn't prevent you from continuing to try. You're like, oh, wow, like I can do this better with better technique and get more assistance. I think a lot of people look at using bands or assistance as a negative thing, but it's not. It's I would rather you use bands and assistance and use the right muscles than, mm -hmm. than do it without any assistance and use the wrong muscles. I, I love mm -hmm. your perspective in all of this. Oh, thank you. Talk to me, talk to me about how strength training has impacted your mental health. Oh, yeah. Um, so like I said, I have a five-year-old son uh, with autism. Um, and uh, he, 
I think being a parent, any kind of parent, any kind of child you have, it's very really unpredictable. You can't control so many things. Um, uh, and it's like, you know, when people go for regular jobs, you have a performance appraisal, you can track your progress. I don't know if I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I know Eddie's happy, but I have no idea in what way I'm trying, you know, messing him up. I don't know. I hope not, but you know, you don't know. Um, so when I discovered weightlifting, it's like, oh, you know, 135 is my warm-up set now. You know, so it's like I can see the progress, right? I can. I have control, I have something tangible, I have a performance appraisal of at least a small part of my life. And I just hold on to that and say, like, okay, other things might be out of control. This one, I have it in my control. And then I'm just so focused on that. I can keep getting stronger. I love that. And in terms of, in terms of actually strength training, I think probably now the I think a lot of people struggle right now, myself included, with strength training in this moment, right? Because not being able to leave home. What have yeah. have you been doing any strength training at home, and how has how has that been able to improve uh, your mental health, if it has at all? Yeah, definitely. So I work out first thing. Uh, I mean, second thing in the morning. First thing I do is meditate. Um, <laughs> so um, around six o'clock, six a.m. When I used to go to the gym, it used to be five thirty a.m. and then so I start with like the mobility workouts that you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a circle, I love those. And how, how um, those I workouts. Do do you feel good from those? I do. Uh, so I had this issue with my wrist, okay. and I uh, I saw Susan on a Facebook live, and she talked about you have a wrist mobility thing, uh, and I, I I've been trying that, and I love that. Good, good, good. Uh, I know, I love it. And then, um, so then when I found out, I like, you know, when I knew I, we were going to be stuck at home, I went through your, I have a chin up, uh, what is it called, the bar thing. Yeah. Um, so I went through the whole chin up tutorial. I, I learned everything. I saw all the videos and it's like, okay, you know what? I'm stuck at home. I can do this. This I can do every day. Um, and then metabolic meltdowns. So I'm pairing it up with the mobility work. Then I do my chin ups and then the metabolic meltdowns. Um, so I just get it out of the way first thing in the morning and I'm like, yeah, it, it just because I feel like because my routine started that way at before the quarantine and before the pandemic, I feel like I should start the same way. Otherwise everything gets kind of, you know, messy. A hundred percent. I, you know, it's so interesting you bring that up because I very, very firmly believe, I think, well, we'll go back to strength training in a second, but having a routine during all yeah. of this is so critically important and you know again this has been hard for everybody myself included and it's like it's very difficult and i'm not going to pretend otherwise because it's very very challenging but i think one of the things that's been able to keep me in a good mindset and productive is still requiring myself to have um uh, um a routine a schedule and yeah. i think i think I sort of have an advantage just because I work for myself and I work from mm. home usually. So I sort of have the the uh, advantage of doing this on a regular basis. But I mean, do you do you do anything in order to maintain a routine? Like, do you write it down? Yeah. What do you do to keep that? Um, so uh, one of the things I think uh, helped in my mental health thing was journaling. I know you talk a lot about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I um, so whenever 
like there is a change in the routine like so my son got sick in january we had like the flu i think the fever and the cough and everything he got sick and i got sick and then i had to get a root canal in february so oh. all these when all these changes happen you know what i do i binge watch netflix and i binge eat so when this pandemic happened i was like oh my god i'm screwed uh but um <laughs> since that so so you know like it ha- already happened to me right like so in jan this happened and so i knew what to expect i've been eating so much ice cream this past winter i was like okay um i can't do that for the pandemic so um i went on this okay this was not it isn't because of pandemic it just happened accidentally so i've been talking to my therapist about um i read this book called wisdom of anxiety by sheryl bob and that's the first time i knew about this concept. it's called a social media diet so you stay away from um tv news instagram facebook um all that and then uh, Uh, so I heard about it in December, and since then I've been discussing it with my therapist. Do you think I should do it? Do you think I should do it? I don't think I should do it. It's too scary. <laughs> There's no way to do it. Like you know, tell me I can't. I can't do it. I don't think I can do it. And then she's like, Why not? Like why not try it? It's a 30-day diet. Um, so I started it in March 4th. Um, uh, so and then this happened, and then I was like, You know what? I'm going to stick to it because. see what happens because i think you like doing experimenting experiments yourself I yes exactly um so maybe that's helping because i'm staying staying away from all the noise uh and i'm just focusing on putting content or like creative stuff and things like that my writing so i think that helps me a little more than like i i haven't there's no binge watching because I binge read, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I'm not consuming content mind mindlessly. Um, yeah, so I think I, that- I cannot even begin to tell you how much I love that, and and just you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I've spoken to many, 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 many people in the last week or two during all of this. and one of the most consistent themes that i've noticed among those who are struggling the most with a lot of anxiety and are struggling the most with finding something productive to do are the ones who are spending a ton of their time focusing on things they can't control and a lot of that is consuming content yeah. from people who are discussing everything going on now i don't think it's a bad idea to stay informed I do think the struggle with that is understanding that there are many people misinforming and it comes mm-hmm. across as though they're informing. And I think just by staying away from a lot of the news and a lot of the the media and a lot of the stuff that so many people are putting out there and maybe not even staying away but maybe also being very selective with yeah, who you choose to follow. Yeah. Exact mindful is the best word. Very well said. Of being aware because the more it's so funny i i had to come to a new apartment so i could be closer to my mom and i don't have a tv in my apartment in new york so i never watch tv the uh, the apartment here has a tv and we just turned it on just like i haven't turned on a tv in years and it went straight to the news and immediately my like my stomach just dropped and just watching the news and seeing how terrible it was and mm-hmm. immediately turned it off i was like i'm not watching this anymore it's like 
whether it's on or whether it's off, it's still happening out there, right? Whether it's on or whether it's off. And I know that listening to my gut and myself, when it's on, I do less and I don't feel as good. Mm -hmm. So I think that you really, you, I love that you stuck with it, even though it's more difficult right now. And I, I just love everything about what you've said from really everything from the strength training side to the mental health side to the being productive and staying being mindful side. Really, like, I love everything you're saying. It makes me super happy. But, you know, um, I have to say, uh, uh, it's, it is hard. Like, I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with uh, binge watching Netflix, especially if this is the ideal time to do it, if you want to do it. But, but as a person who's addicted to things like that, I feel like, I shouldn't be doing it. It's just, I mean, I shouldn't say should. It's just, um, how do I explain it? It's lonely though. Um, I, f- I have this, um, the analogy I would use is that, have you ever been a designated driver? Uh, you know, uh, when you go to a party or something and you're the only sober one and everyone around you is drunk? So it feels that way for me. Like, I feel like I'm the only sober person. Like, <laughs> I don't mean it as an arrogant way or anything. It's just like, everybody seems so distracted. And like, I called my friend the other day and we were having a very good conversation, but I knew her TV was on. She's a really good friend and I love her. And uh, she was talking about something that was happening on the TV. Um, but she, I, I just could tell she's distracted. So, you know, I mean, it was fine. It's okay. But it's just, yeah, that's the only way I can explain it. It's just like, you know, uh, I feel sober and I want to get drunk with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I think it's sort of playing off that example, right? So we play out that example. In that moment, you are the sober one and you might feel like you want to be drunk with everyone else. But then I think about what happens like 12 hours later when Mm -hmm. they wake up and they feel awful and they spent way more money than they should have. They probably got in a fight with their significant other. They did not have a good night. And I see this all the time where it's like people like they go out, they have like get crazy, whatever it is. And then they regret it the next day or whatever it is. And they they don't feel good throughout the remainder of the day. Whereas you, you're clear minded, you're focused, you continue to go. And I think it's sort of the difference between short-term impulsive pleasures versus long-term happiness and pride. And I think sort of the way I'm looking at, at this whole situation right now is that it's the, listen, none of us have lived through something like this and it's scary as all hell and and we don't know what to do. But I do know the way I'm thinking about this and the one thing that's really helping me stay motivated to be productive and to be the, as you put it, the sober person, which I love that example, is that when it's all over, because it will be over eventually, when it's all over, will I be proud of how I acted during this time frame and what actions must I take on a daily basis in order to look back on this and be proud of myself so that when I can tell my future kids what I was doing during this time, they can be proud of me. What actions can I take to make sure that all the people I'm impacting on a daily basis can be healthier and stronger and better for themselves and for their families. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm doing the text workouts, doing the inner circle live workout, doing all the content, doing it. Like it's because 
I know it's it's it would be way easier to be sleeping or to be watching Netflix right now. I know it's so easy. It's so much easier, but in the same in the same way, I think it would also it wouldn't be as gratifying, and there would be a lot of guilt and shame, and and I wouldn't be proud of myself. So I think, and, and I don't think you need. You don't need a large social media audience to do this stuff. You, it, it's not about, it's not about, essentially how many people you have following you. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, uh, it's a Harry Potter quote, obviously. And uh, I love from, Harry Potter. It's from Professor Lupin. I believe it was in the very last, book or the second to last, uh, last or second to last book, where they're having like the big battle of Hogwarts, and mm-hmm. Professor Lupin says to the effect of. It is the quality of one's convictions that determines their character, not the number of followers. And he says this right before Voldemort begins his attack mm-hmm. on, on the school. And I, every time I hear that, I get chills. But it's the quality of your convictions and the quality of what you do that determines your character and who you are as a person, not how many people follow you. And it's what you do on a day. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing the 300 push-ups a day challenge because yeah. you don't have to do 300 push-ups. You could do 10 push-ups. You could do 10 squats. You could do 100 jumping jacks. It doesn't matter. But it's the steps that you're doing in order to get better and improve yourself that will then in turn help others and those around you that will allow you to look back on what you're doing right now and be proud of yourself. And that is what I think is going to help people be proud of themselves for years to come looking back on all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so true. Um, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's funny because TV is good. Like our generation (laughs) has a very good the shows are so good i feel i feel so jealous of people who lived uh you know way old, older times when they didn't have that much good entertainment <laughs> <laughs> and this, since i started this diet i have this fear of missing out you know for more <laughs> like, i hear conversations of what my husband's watching on netflix and he's talking to someone and i'm like oh my god oh my god i just uh, yeah i do have FOMO. <laughs> Well, you know, and you know, here's the thing. I think what you're doing right now is an experiment, right? You're doing yeah. an experiment. This isn't how you're probably going to live the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I love about these experiments, sort of like how I did the carnivore diet for 14 mm-hmm. days, is that it's it creates a lot of perspective. And I think yeah. perspective is what allows us to view things with a new level of gratitude and also create more patience, more understanding, and and new schedules and habits. I would imagine that through doing this challenge, even though, even though, you know nothing is wrong with watching TV, and by the end mm-hmm. of this, like you probably will go back to enjoy some with your husband yeah. and whatnot. It might not be binge watching TV. It might not yeah. be hours and hours and hours. It will, maybe you'll have a better schedule and a better ability to create perspective because now you know what it's like and what you can do when you aren't doing that. So maybe mm-hmm. now after this, the desire to binge will not as be be there because you know yeah. what else you can accomplish when you're not doing it. That is so true. Um, so the one of the ways my uh, therapist convinced me to do this was um, I, so I went on a diet like three years back. Mm-hmm. I was I read this book by Dr. Kelly Broken. It's called Mind of Your Own. Um, and she talks about a paleo-based diet for mental health. And I, I always thought of diet as something you do to lose weight or, you know, something like that. I never thought of diet, food, affecting your mental health I just mm-hmm. you know never 
that two together. So her book, uh, I think she has a new book out, but this first book that I read, it sort of treats like a science textbook. So it's just a lot of things went above my head, but I understood the you know basics of it and I tried it for 30 days. So it was almost like a whole 30 thing. Um, and then, so um, there was a paleo. So I, I, before going paleo, I did, never did like raw vegetables. I'm originally from South India. So we eat a lot of cooked vegetables. Mm. We eat like really covered. Um, so going paleo helped me eat more salads. Um, and uh, what I, so right now I'm just gluten-free and dairy-free. So I know how gluten affects my mental health and my physical health. Um, so my therapist said maybe a social media diet will be like that. You know, it's not like you're strictly paleo all the time right now, but you know what you eat, how it affects your mental health and physical health. So consider the 30-day social media diet that way. Like you can pick and choose next time. That is such a wonderful example. I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I, I always get frustrated when people get mad about using the word diet because in, in my mind, I'm like, diet just means what you're eating. It doesn't necessarily mean it's for weight loss. People have certain diets for food intolerances. People have certain diets to gain weight. People have certain diets for allergies. People have certain diets for any number of reasons. And I love how you just drew that comparison and also made it very clear. Sometimes people will have a certain diet for their mental health because it makes them feel better and think better and be more productive, maybe have more energy, whatever it is. And then to understand that maybe doing this, maybe taking time away from social media will teach you more about your mental health, teach you it's sort of what you said earlier about being more mindful and more aware of yeah. what what things make you feel better and what things don't. You know, I think that's something that I've spoken a fair bit recently about, uh, especially before everything, all this has gone on, but sort of my own anxiety with social media and all of that. And yeah. as, as my audience has grown, how it can be very difficult to post and like get immediate feedback from thousands of people, many of whom don't like you. So it's, uh, it's, it's such an interesting world we live in. And honestly, I'm so happy that you brought this up and that we've had this discussion because many people say that they're big on mental health, but I haven't had many discussions, especially as insightful as this, that really discusses a number of different factors that affect your mental health and how important it is to be aware of it. And, uh, you know, we sort of talk in, in the fitness industry about elimination diets and how mm -hmm. it's like you can use some of them to figure out what foods make you feel good, what foods make you feel bad. And I sort of the, the social media diet that you're on right now, or the media diet is like, yeah. it's helping you figure out what makes you feel good, what makes you feel bad. And it doesn't mean you can't ever go on them again or ever yeah. use them again. But I'm going to be very, very honest with you. I think right now is probably the best time to do that because you'll get a very, very clear and quick picture and understanding of what makes you feel good and what doesn't. And to go back to the original example you used that like you're the sober person at the party, sometimes it takes you be like you might have been drunk for a while, but it takes you being sober and going through a period of time being sober to realize I feel way better waking up not having a hangover yeah. than when I did and I was going out and getting drunk. Now the hangover isn't worth it. 
And sometimes it takes a period of time of, of having that FOMO to realize that. Yeah. Now, um, first of all, who doesn't like you? They're crazy. <laughs> Dude, there's a lot of people on the internet that That's do not true. like me. Um, <laughs> I know. So uh, one of the things that uh, I started doing recently was I've been doing this uh, since I've been reading a lot, lot of self-help books. A uh, lot of them talk about uh, saying, um, I love you to yourself. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things, uh, there's this free app called Inside Timer. It's a meditation app. Okay. Um, and one of my favorite authors is Elizabeth Gilbert. She gave this 20-minute uh, talk on the Inside Timer. So basically, it's like, so her, um, we all have this emotion that we go to. I think mine is anger that, that I think uh, I'm addicted to anger you know that's like my first emotional reaction right some people have it it's worry some some have it anxiety so as it was her fear what uh, emotion was fear so she would write a letter to her fear from unconditional love saying that i love you i'm here for you i'm not going anywhere and and i thought that was so interesting it's like oh, you know what i'm going to write my uh, love letters to my anger and see what happens. So it, I started doing that every morning and it's like really helping. Wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's part of your, is that part of your journaling every morning? Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I know. You should check out that talk. It's pretty interesting. So it's, so when I say stuff like I'm so angry, I couldn't do this. I'm so angry. I, say, I hear you. I love you. It's okay. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm going to try that. What What is the, you said this is a book? Um, no, it's an app, Inside Timer. It's a free app. You can uh, pay into it too, but uh, the free app version has uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, so she, um, yeah, she gave a talk on fear and love. And that was very interesting. I really liked that. So That's amazing. I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you can write a love letter to your anxiety. So <laughs> I will absolutely. I think that's a, a great idea. I and there are many ways to to modify that. I think if you need to, but I love that. I I think it's a really really great idea and a good practice to have. Yeah, I think self help self love is really big. I I never knew that because for for some reason when you say self love it feels very selfish, right? You have to say like you're saying you love yourself and things like that. It's like sounds so weird. Um, but then, uh, so I used to have this really bad road rage. I used to drive my son <laughs> everywhere and it, it was so bad. I drove like an a-hole, like really, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to, I shouldn't curse, but it's yeah, like, it was totally really bad. Uh, I mean, it was so bad. So, um, so since I started doing this journaling and I'm telling myself, I love myself, right? And I'm talking to my ther therapist about it. You I think I don't have my road rage anymore. I don't remember the last time I got angry at someone on the, in the car or anything, shouted or yelled. And then she said, do you think it's because you, you're starting to practice self-love? And I, oh. So, you know, when you love yourself, you love others too. Like, so the last time someone showed me a middle finger when I was driving, usually it would it would drive me mad. Like, what did I do wrong? And I would go into that, <laughs> oh, my God, I don't know what I did wrong. And now I just laugh. 
like, oh, I wonder what happened. That's, That's so funny. You know, I think, and this is a whole separate topic. Also, I think a very, very difficult topic, self-love, right? It's a yeah. very, it's difficult. And for me, I think one of the most difficult parts of self-love and the discussion is when I see people, especially on social media, who will say things to the effect of, just love yourself. I it it angers me because what if you don't? Yeah. Right? It's sort of like when you just if someone says like, oh well, just lose weight. It's yeah. like it's not that easy, right? It's and I think for me personally, when I think of self-love, I think one of the one of my primary tenets of self-love is understanding that you might not always love yourself and that you might not always be happy with yourself. And it takes loving yourself to know that. Uh, and sort of in the same way, you will always love your son. Always. Yeah. You might have times in which you get angry with him. Yeah. You might have times in which you, uh, you are disappointed in a decision that he made, but you always love him. Yeah. And for him to know that is incredibly important as he gets older to know that you are his mother and you'll always love him but that doesn't mean he can't make mistakes it doesn't mean mm. that that there won't be times in which you'll you'll have to teach him a lesson yeah. and i think this is the same way that we love others but also understand that that doesn't mean we can't get angry with them or upset with them or, or mm -hmm. uh, whatever same thing with ourselves i think that is part of self-love and i think understanding that part of self-love it also means that you are unique and you are you are a great individual, but you can also improve. I think this is such an important aspect yeah. of self-love because I see many people putting out this idea that you're you're perfect as you are right now. And it's a, I think it's a very disingenuous thing to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because none of us are perfect. No. None of us. And we can all improve. And it's almost to the effect of, if we're actually perfect right now, what else do we have to learn? Mm -hmm. Like it inherently means that we can't get better. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the most critical aspects of self-love and really loving yourself is knowing that you can forever improve. And part of loving yourself and part of that personal growth process is challenging yourself to be better and never, never being satisfied with exactly as you are. Always doing your best to care for yourself and to love yourself. But don't let that turn into saying like, I'm amazing and perfect already, because that means you can't learn from others and you can't learn from yourself. So, and, and again, this is why it's such a difficult, right? It's, like, yeah, it's, it's a balance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a difficult topic. And then also going back to, well, what if someone says, I don't love myself, like, but I don't saying, well, just love yourself doesn't help them. And I think, well, how do we actually get someone who doesn't love themselves to love themselves? And, and I think from my personal experience, just working with people and myself, the only way to get to a point in which you can really love yourself is to take action to improve yourself. And, and I think other, cause if you don't, if you don't love yourself, if you, if you don't starting from that ground that from that base, mm -hmm. what's going to happen, that's all of a sudden going to change to make you love yourself. And it usually has to stem from doing something to improve. And like you said, doing something to improve could be 
writing a letter to yourself. Yeah. That could be uh, the first step. And it could be very small. Like I, I think the secret to happiness that I've discovered recently is going to bed early. <laughs> no, it's, it can be just small things like that. Just go to bed early half an hour. That could be a way of self-loving yourself. Absolutely. I completely agree. Especially if you know you've been going to bed too late and you yeah. know it's a bad habit. And you know you're going to feel better if you wake up earlier because you go to bed earlier. Mm-hmm. That's such a – that's the perfect example because it is a very small thing. Yeah. But if you know you are consistently going to bed too late, mm-hmm. that means you can improve. Yeah. So go to bed earlier and yeah. take that. I think that's such a great example. Sajna, I, I want to – say thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to, to come on and speak with do me. We have, do we have time for one? I have a question for you. Do you yes, have absolutely, time? Yes, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Have about, about five, oh. seven more minutes. Okay. So my question is, um, like, so I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of writing for myself, like, you know, um, creating content that way um so self-doubt and resistance i've talked i've read about this a lot in a lot of self-help books they talk about some some books talk about how resistance is almost like fear and self-doubt how did you deal with all that when you were coming up and when your business was starting out with fear and self-doubt yeah self-doubt and you know like it could be anything, right? Like when you when you know you want to build a habit of waking up early and going to the gym and you hear that resistance in your head. No, let's sleep for five more minutes. You know, those kinds of small, small things. So so do me a favor. Do you have any examples in your head of one that you that you have resistance that I can maybe mm-hmm. relate to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you can relate to it. I, I mean, so I'm writing a book. Uh, uh, I'm writing a novel right now. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. I'm just writing. Uh, but some days when I write, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm writing, right? I'm trying to create a habit. So uh, right now my habit is that I write 500 words a day. Um, at least minimum 500 words. I, I would like to build it up to 1,000 words a day. Um, and sometimes when I write, I'm like, uh, who's going to want to read this? Why are you doing this? Stop. <laughs> okay, now now I definitely can relate. Um, so I've written well over a thousand articles. I have thousands of Instagram posts, thousands of Facebook posts, hundred, almost a thousand YouTube videos. And I can tell you with 100% sincerity and truth that there isn't a single time that I hit publish that I don't wonder in my head, who in the hell is going to like this? <laughs> Every single time. I'll tell you something. I said, I told this to the inner circle, must've been maybe over a year ago now, but Every single time before I hit publish on a new inner circle edition, which has the new workouts and all that, every single yeah. time, every single time I say a prayer and basically saying, I hope this is helpful and I hope they enjoy this because I still get worried that every time I hit publish on a new manual, on a new edition, whatever it is, that people aren't going to like it. But so, so I, I think this is the transition here is the fear and the worry, at least for me, has never left. Yeah. But the difference is, I think that it's not that you have to get rid of the fear or the worry. It's that you have to not allow the fear or the worry to prevent you from taking action. That mm-hmm. I think is really the most important distinction. 
I don't think there's anybody in the world who doesn't get nervous before they go out and publicly speak. I don't think there's any professional athlete in the world who doesn't get nervous before they go out to perform. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't get nervous before they they put themselves out there publicly to be scrutinized. And anyone who cares about their work cares about what people are going to think of their work. It's very natural. The difference is you just cannot allow that to prevent you from putting it out there. I think that is the number one uh, piece of advice I could give you is that okay. if you're if you care about what you're doing, yeah, that's it's it's a good thing that you get nervous or worried about what people think because it means that you care. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. a lot of people say, don't care what other people think. It's like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. If you don't care what other people think, I think you're a psychopath, number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, number two is when you care about your work, you'll always care about what other people think. Yeah. The difference is don't allow what other people think to prevent you from doing your work. Mm -hmm. Does that yeah. help? Yes, it does. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, listen, thank you so much. This has been a oh. pleasure and a blessing. I'm so glad that we got to talk. Um, and thank you. I, I wish health and happiness for your family, for your husband, for your son, for your, your parents in Dubai. Uh, and if I can do anything, please don't hesitate to reach out, okay? Yes, of course. It was really great chatting with you, Jay. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you, Sajna, for coming on, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, if you're looking for more home or bodyweight workouts to do, we have hundreds in the Inner Circle. You can join at www.sfinnercircle.com. Have a wonderful day.